0: Ah, oh, so good to be back here. It's, uh, my, my family is a wonderful audience for preaching, but not as good as the rest of you. So, <laughs> so historically in the church, there have been more uh, markers on the church calendar than we tend to uh, look at today, that we tend to, to uh, celebrate. You know, we think of Christmas... As the birth of Christ, we think of Good Friday, the death of Christ, and Easter, the resurrection of Christ, and then in our circles, the, uh, the, the church calendar kind of falls off. For years now, I've had this conviction that we need to get back to a few of the things that the church has historically uh, celebrated, and uh, so this year, we started doing that. Maybe unbeknownst to you, but last week, we celebrated the Ascension. Because that's a really big deal. Today, as it so happens in God's providence, this is the date that on those more formal uh, churches that that celebrate the church calendar, today is actually Pentecost, when the whole church celebrates the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do not just one Sunday, but two Sundays on Pentecost. And my plan is, and uh, Eric and Dan and I have talked through this, that from now on, we make sure that we highlight these significant events uh, throughout the years. So last week, we looked at the ascension of Christ. If you want to, uh, actually, just, just trust me that I'll read it correctly. Um, the, the scripture, actually, Daniel got a glimpse of the ascension of Jesus. Way back hundreds of years before Jesus actually received his throne, Daniel saw this, and here's what he saw. It says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days, that's the Father, and was presented before him. And to him, to the son of man, which we now know as Jesus, to him was given dominion glory and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Daniel sees Jesus receiving his throne and his coronation. what we looked at last week. It's what we've been singing about all morning already, crown him with many crowns and so on. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me in a little sort of thought experiment. Imagine you're maybe an angel there in the throne room as Jesus who has died... Rises again, ascends into heaven, and now he bursts into the scene, and he's there before the ancient of days, and he comes forward to receive his crown, and you're there watching this, and you hear the proclamation, all the nations of the earth, all the peoples are going to worship him, it's a great day. Can you imagine the celebration, the the cheering, the applause? Oh, this is is so great. And then you turn around and you look at the earth. And you think, hmm, those people are going to worship him? I mean, how many people on the earth at that time were bowing their knee before Jesus? Jesus receives this crown of the whole universe, the whole earth, and you think, well, of the millions of people on the planet at the time, how many of them were celebrating with the angels in heaven? How many of them were saying, yes, the day has finally come. We've been waiting for this for millennia, and the day has come. Jesus has come. What, 11 of all the people on the earth got it? and cared about these things? No. The kingdom of Jesus at its inception was really small. It was a far cry from all the nations of the earth celebrating and worshiping him. When he took the throne of the universe, he had work cut out for him. We talked about this last week. I'm sure you all watched it. We talked about this his his reign had just begun but he had work to do he's not a passive king and he has not been a passive king he's been building his kingdom for 2,000 years and it started with just a handful of men and it spread to what it is today but his kingdom had to be won God is in the process of putting all of Jesus's enemies under the feet of Jesus and he's taking the gospel out and bringing people to himself. That's what he's doing. The kingdom was started then, but it is continuing to be built to this day. This is what Jesus meant. You remember in John, we saw that Jesus is interacting with Pilate, and he says to Pilate, I'm not really a threat to you in the way you think I might be because my kingdom is not of this realm. I'm not going to go set up my throne room in Rome or even here in Jerusalem. My kingdom is not of this realm. In Luke's gospel, we read that Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, my kingdom is not the kind of thing that you can go observe. You can't go over there and see it. You can't go to the capital of the kingdom of Jesus and knock on the door and say, hey, can I talk to the king? That's not how it works. He says, my kingdom is not of this realm. It's not, it, it's not like that. It's, uh, it's in your midst. It's, uh, it's within you. There's a, a verse in the book of Romans that I want to use to get at this idea. So if you want to open your Bibles to Romans 14, just one verse, I'm going to read actually two of them, but we're only going to look at really one, where the Apostle Paul gives us virtually a definition of the kingdom of God. Romans 14, verses 16 and 17 say this, therefore, Do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit." So the context of Romans 14 is actually very timely for we, where we are at in the midst of this uh, pandemic and the reaction. Uh, there is dispute among these Roman Christians about whether it's okay to eat certain things, not eat certain things, whether you have to observe a Sabbath day or not observe a Sabbath day. There's all these disputing. And, and, and in the church, people are judging others who disagree with them, those people Are eating that meat. They shouldn't be eating it. They can't be Christians. Those people aren't eating the meat. They're legalists. They shouldn't, they're not Christians. Those people aren't keeping the Sabbath. Those people are. And there's all this fuss. And and Paul says, wait, 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 wait. The kingdom of heaven is not about that. The kingdom of God is not about those things. Like, they're wearing masks. They're not wearing masks. The kingdom of God is not about mask wearing. Praise the Lord, right? Don't judge those who hold a different conviction than you do on these secondary and tertiary things because those things don't make up the kingdom of God. What does make up the kingdom of God are these three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And All of those things are brought by the Holy Spirit. We've got a couple of our NCST Greek students here, and I'm tempted to give them a pop quiz, uh, but I'll bypass it because I don't want to embarrass them. Uh, This phrasing of this verse is what's called a predicate nominative. If you want to write that down, go for it. Predicate nominative. Now, that doesn't mean much to us in English because we don't have those kind of cases so much in English. But the idea is what Paul is doing is he's giving one thing that would normally be a subject of a sentence, And then he gives us another thing that would also normally be the subject of the sentence, and he's basically equating the two. It would be like me saying, Krista is my wife. Krista and my wife both refer to the same beautiful woman, right? You can say yes. (laughs) Thank you. Right? Right? If I were talking about Krista and Rebecca, I would not be talking about the same beautiful woman. Right, Jeff? But they're both beautiful women. You're welcome. (laughs) Right? Krista and my wife refer to the same thing. The kingdom of God and righteousness, peace, and joy refer to the same thing in this sentence. He's virtually giving us a definition of what Jesus came to do to create his kingdom, not by building a nation, not by raising up an army, not by setting up a capital, but by sending his Holy Spirit to transform people so that we become righteous and peaceful And filled with joy. And all of that requires the Holy Spirit. We are getting a very clear example of that right this very minute in our society. What does it look like for a people not to have the Holy Spirit? So let's think about these. Take them one at a time. Righteousness. You are in the kingdom of God. If that is true of you, then the Holy Spirit is creating a hunger for righteousness. Do you remember when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount? And he said, He pronounced a blessing on his hearers. And he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness. I don't know about you, but that makes me ask the question How strong is my appetite for doing the right thing? Do you hunger for it? Have you gone hours, maybe days without food to such a degree that it's really all you can think about? You're consumed. With the desire to eat or to drink. We've been there, right? You've been there in different circumstances. That's the imagery that Jesus uses for those who are in his kingdom. We have a hunger for it. Doing the right thing and to see others do the right thing. That's what the kingdom of God is. So ask yourself how strong is your hunger? When you see others act unrighteously, does that provoke anger? Does it provoke something in you where you say, that's not right? How about when you see your own unrighteousness, when you're failing to live up to his standards, do you hate that with a passion? People in the kingdom of God do. Because the Spirit is working to provoke that. Again, we've had so clear opportunities in the last few days to see great injustice. One of those, the thing that was the catalyst for lots of other injustice, I'm sure you've all seen the video. Of this police officer who, at least as far as we can tell, did not act justly toward George Floyd. Now, I, I qualify that because videos have lied to us in the past. And we always need to be careful, this far removed, from assuming that what we see on media is trustworthy. But if it's accurate, it sure appears to me. There was injustice done there. Whether that case was or not, I don't know for sure, neither do you, but we know that kind of thing does happen. When men and women who are entrusted with the authority to use force exercise it unjustly. That kind of thing should make us angry. God hates injustice. The Bible says that over and over and over again. He hates it. In fact, he says through Jeremiah, if you know me, if you really know me, you know this about me. I delight in justice. Well, justice is just another word for righteousness. So remove yourself for a moment from any particular thing And just in general, what is your hunger and thirst for you and everyone else to do what is right? If we are in the kingdom, it matters to us. Now, that doesn't mean we go take justice and vengeance for ourselves. We're warned against that. That's not our place. We're to leave room for the wrath of God and the vengeance of God. But to be angry, to have something inside of us provoked when we see unjust behavior in ourselves or someone else, that is the kingdom of God. And of course, we know ourselves well enough to know that before we start looking out there for all the injustice, we need to look in here and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to increase our appetite righteousness and justice because that is the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom Jesus is building. People who love what is right and hate what is evil. We saw it in the psalm that we read together from Psalm 97. Those who love the Lord hate evil. In fact, the writer of Proverbs gives us a virtual definition for wisdom, the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is, begins with this and all that. The fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil. There are seven things God hates. And included in that is, is, is lying tongues, people who rush to violence, those kind of things. Which leads me to the second one. The kingdom of God is peace. if you've watched the news the last three nights you you, you can't look at what's going on in our country and not be emotionally affected this is not a land of peace right now there is a stark contrast there must be a stark contrast between those of us who are in the kingdom of God and those who are not. And we are seeing on full display what happens to a people who are not filled with the spirit of God, who do not strive for peace. It's chaos. It's destruction. It's violence. Writing all of that. Jesus came into that kind of world. This is not new to our generation. It's not new to our nation. It's not new in our nation. This kind of thing has happened way too many times. For you young folks, you're going to remember 2020 for so many reasons. You're going to remember the riots of 2020. But some of us remember riots before that and before that, and people who uh, live before me remember other riots before that. This is part of who we are as humans but Jesus the prince of peace came to bring peace and how is he bringing peace he's working in our hearts the holy spirit and he tells us as far as it is possible with you be at peace with all men make peace again sermon on the mount Jesus pronounces this blessing, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they are like God. Remember how he finishes that? Blessed are the peacemakers for what? Come on, my kids talk back to me. What is it? Blessed are the peacemakers for? Okay, next sermon series. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7. through For they will be called the sons of God. That does not mean that every single person who is a peacemaker is actually a believer. What Jesus is saying is there, when someone goes and makes peace, he's acting like God. And to that extent, he's like a son of God. Why would Jesus say that? Because God himself is the ultimate peacemaker. Everyone in this room was born at war with God. We did not like him. We didn't have big enough guns to take him out, but if we had them, we would use them. We didn't love him. He was our enemy. And God would have been right and just to wipe out every human being. The moment you committed your first sin, he has the right to say, I'm a righteous God, you're done. But God didn't do that. He sent the Prince of Peace to go to the cross and receive his wrath and his justice in our behalf so that we could be at peace with him. God spent his anger on Jesus, so he's none left for us. That's really good news. He made peace. Not with people who loved him. He didn't make peace with friends, because you don't have to make peace with friends. He made peace with enemies. While you were yet enemies, still sinners, Christ died for you, Paul says. And those who try to bring hostile entities into peace are like God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We are sons of God. If you are a Christian, you're not just acting like it. You are a son of God, and therefore we have to be peacemakers. Now, of course, it's not peace at all costs. It's not ever peace at the expense of truth. There's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking, and sometimes it does require fighting to make peace, and wisdom and discernment is required to know which time it is, but our goal is to bring enemies and make them friendly, because that's what God did for us. Our goal has to be to make peace among other Christians. If the enemy is out there sowing discord in the world, which he is, and right now he's doing a lot of sowing. Actually, I guess now he's reaping. He's been sowing for years. Now he's reaping. May it never be that we as Christians would join in the warfare and the hostility and the hurling accusations and judging and condemning each other and tearing each other down. If we can't show peace to the world, they'll never see it. I just, I I gotta do this. This is my pastoral duty here. Can I caution us all to be careful what we watch, what we read? I'm talking about media and social media. We're all convinced that the people we love to listen to are right. They may not be right. There is an agenda that drives our media and lots of social media. And the agenda is not building the kingdom of God and it's not making peace. It's making money. And we can easily get sucked into these things and listen to one side and and the other side falls on deaf ears and find ourselves more passionate about what instigators are stirring up than the kingdom of God. That cannot and must not be our, our place as Christians. I'm not saying we shouldn't get involved in politics, we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't take stands. We should. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. Of course we should. We have the opportunity in this, in this land to vote for our leaders and so on. That We should take that very seriously. I said that last week. What I'm saying is be careful who you're listening to and be careful about judging those who disagree. Simple point. I've been making jokes about the mask wearing thing. Who do we believe when it comes to masks? We have one group of experts that tells us, you must wear masks. And then the WHO comes out a couple days ago and says, you shouldn't wear masks. It can actually be harmful. I'm not a doctor, and neither are most of you. And even those who are doctors disagree, and they look at different studies and different models, and they come to different conclusions. And we're like, I don't know who to believe. But if you just pick a side because these people say it's true, be careful with that because somebody's wrong. Maybe everybody's wrong. That's kind of where, where I'm landing. Nobody knows anything about this. But as Christians, we have to be very careful. God forbid that we would allow these kinds of things to cause war in the body of Christ. We're to be peacemakers and live in peace and seek peace. Third, the kingdom of God is joy. It's been a hard couple of months for a lot of reasons. And I, I sat yesterday for hours, my, my wife can attest to this, I sat for hours on my couch, my thinking couch, my study prep couch, and I, I, I was just, I made the mistake of, of watching too much on the news of all the rioting and stuff. And I was just sick. Just sick. I mean, I remember a few years ago when we thought fire was going to come down this hill and burn down this building we had just built. And all the money and the time that we had poured into to building this building, we'd been waiting for years. And then to watch these businesses, these buildings, these structures, when people completely out of control are lighting fire to them. That's somebody's property. That was just sick. And I said, Lord, I'm supposed to preach on joy tomorrow because that's in the text. (laughs) And through his word, he graciously reminded me I don't take joy, I don't find joy in what's going on out in the world. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And they can burn down our building, they can blow up my car. They can destroy this this nation. My joy is still in the strength of Jesus Christ. And he went to the cross so that someday I will live in a place where nobody can ever burn down my buildings. And it can't rust. And the treasure that is laid up for me can never be ruined. I'm not there yet. That's the fullness of the kingdom. That's the consummation of the kingdom that we're waiting for. We get a foretaste now. The good stuff is coming. But in the meantime, I can anticipate that kingdom and I can have joy. And so can you. Not only can we, we must. Because it's what it means to live in the kingdom. So let me ask you again What are those things outside of you? that you allow in, that robs you of joy. I would be willing to bet, for a lot of us, it's the news and social media. Don't do that. Don't allow voices, online, podcasts, or whatever, don't let things in your ears that steal the joy of the Lord. It makes us miserable. How about on the inside? Are there things on your inside, voices in your head, that you allow to steal the joy of the Lord? The enemy of your souls hates the fact that you might sing and enjoy God's goodness. He hates the fact that you might walk through these last two months and say, praise the Lord. I don't like all of it, but God is good. He hates that in your household, you might say, yeah, this is not everything I want, but I love Jesus. He loves me. I'm going to walk in this household in joy. He hates that. And so often we let his voice destroy our joy. And then we destroy everybody else's. We're miserable. And we're not making peace. We're making war on our own households or our neighborhoods or wherever. That is not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of Satan. That's the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Stop listening to those voices from without and within that steal your joy and walk in the Spirit. So when I looked at the uh, service plan for this morning a couple days ago, the opening scripture was not Psalm 97, it was the Lord's Prayer. When I got here this morning, Jordan led us in Psalm 97. That's good. But I had planned my introduction based on the Lord's Prayer. I should have looked at the service before this morning. So I'm going to conclude my service with the Lord's Prayer. You know this prayer, right? You remember how it begins? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next line? We are to pray, Father, send your kingdom. And then Jesus helpfully explains what that would look like. What's the next line? As the Holy Spirit transforms people, the kingdom of God is expanded on the earth as his will is done through us on this earth just as it is being done in heaven. So when we sing the Lord's, or when we recite the Lord's prayer, we are to ask him, send your kingdom through us and by your spirit make us righteous. Give us peace and use us as peacemakers and fill us with joy. What would happen in this nation if every human being by the Spirit of God was righteous, peaceful, and joyful? It would seem a lot like heaven, wouldn't it? That is our prayer. We're going to sing that in the form of a song here in just a moment, and that is our prayer. Lord, send your kingdom through us. And transform this nation. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it's good to be back together with your people again. It's so good to celebrate, to sing, to, to learn together. Would you send your spirit? each of us? Would we take the time to examine our own hearts and say, where am I the one causing war in my home, in my neighborhood, in my, in my job, in my church? Give us a hunger and thirst, an insatiable appetite for what is right. And oh Lord, fill us with joy and build your kingdom in America and across the world, we pray. Amen.